Thanks for tuning in to the Reality Mission podcast. Kathy and I are going to be talking a little bit today about just some of the challenges that missionary families uh, face. And if you're a missionary on deputation or on the field, or if you're someone in your local church, you're supporting and praying for your missionary families, you're going to want to stay tuned as Kathy and I talk about how to raise a missionary family um, and keep our marriages strong and keep our children safe and spiritually minded through all of the challenges. Okay, so first of all, Kathy and I, we're going to kind of talk about some of the, I guess, the benefits of being a ministry family. So we have been a ministry family since we got married. Yeah, really. I mean, Nathan was with us on the bus route when he was just a couple weeks old. Yeah, so we, we started off in bus ministry and then quickly by 1999, we're doing missions. And the, the truth is this, I would not have wanted to live my life any other way. Mm-hmm. I have loved serving Christ. I've loved ministering to people. Uh, I've loved the adventures that we've had. But let's talk a little bit about if you're just starting in missions or if you're supporting a missionary family, uh, I don't want to just spend this whole time feeling sorry for missionary families because I, I think we'd be missing a lot of that. Even though we'll talk about the negative sides, we're going to start off with the positive sides here. So, Kathy, what's, what's some of the positive things that we've seen in ministry through the years? Well, definitely having the extra time with family. I mean, sometimes that can be <laughs> not a positive, but um, having just you get to spend every day with your children. You get to teach them everyday life skills, but then you also get to teach them the ministry side of life. You know, I read the other day, and it was probably something somebody posted on Facebook, but 90% of the time that you have with your children is spent before the age of 18. Wow. So from 18 onward, you're only getting 10%. So you, at, at 18 years old, the investment you've made in your kids is almost completely over. You're almost wow. done. So by doing ministry together, we're buying some of that time back um, by home at, homeschooling our kids. So we're buying that 40 hours a week back. So if you take that 40 hours a week, how, how many mm-hmm. school weeks in a year? About 34, I believe. All right, so 34 times 40. You're talking about 1,200 plus hours that we bought back by, by educating our children at home. And then if you start talking about the ministry time together too, bus routes on Sunday mornings mm-hmm. or missions trips throughout the summer, vacation Bible schools, we're taking by doing ministry together by homeschooling our kids along the journey we're buying back probably two to three thousand hours a year so yeah you take that times Mm -hmm. the lifespan of a kid you're talking about us being able to invest something like forty thousand more hours into our children than other people have got to do so all of the negatives that we're going to address this morning um on on the side of ministry are compensated by that one single fact Absolutely. that, yeah, God has given us all of that time. So the best time you've ever spent with your kids in ministry, give us some examples. I would definitely say we spent a month in Peru with the Dovers. That was a phenomenal time. I think our kids got to experience um, a really realistic time. They, it was not all fun and games. We saw, um, different hardships that other people went through. They were sick while they were there some. Um, They saw the missionary kids sick. I think it was really great for them just to see the everyday life during that time. All right. So um, what that does is it kind of builds 
what I'd call a family culture. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we've bought back that time now. So whereas you see some families, um, you know, they're sports families, they're they're soccer people, um, or they're they're hunting people. They're they have their identity, and a lot of that is built in by your um, by your extended family, by your school, um, by the neighborhood that you grow up in. But a missionary family, ministry family, we sort of build our own family culture, which means that we almost even come up with like our own language and identity. Mm -hmm. That like yeah. uh, my kids will laugh while I'm preaching at something that nobody else laughs at because they understand exactly what I'm saying, where I'm coming from. And that that is kind of been exciting for us, kind of fun for yeah. us. Um, they know what verses uh, I'm going to say before I say them. My kids can outline my sermon and predict the next points of my sermons, you know, because we, we have those tens of thousands of hours together. And I love that culture. I love that identity. Um, now, let me say this. Sometimes that can make a missionary family a little weird. Yeah. All right. So we're not wanting to build an awkward family. Right. And here's how we balance that is we let other people invest in our children. We don't keep our children completely to ourselves. I'm laughing now, though, because you said that's how we keep it balanced is if we're not weird. <laughs> but I'm sure people probably are thinking he's not the one to be teaching. I'm weird. They're weird. And that may be. That may be. But you're right. Definitely having other uh, good godly influences in them to invest in them. Yeah, and and we have been able through the years to lend our children out. So if there is another ministry opportunity, educational opportunity, or even just a fun opportunity, um, we have not been afraid to let our children uh, travel with others, um, do things. And again, there's a balance to that with mm -hmm. age. But as the children grow and mature, it's not even so much that I trust other people sometimes i trust our kids at, at some point when they they've turned a certain age and they've become trustworthy we've let them venture out and you know really i was just thinking about that and ben you know he spent some time with um with brother chris hewitt and they would have conversations and he would call back and say hey dad what do you think about that and that i think showed wisdom on benjamin's part that he's listening but he just wanted to double check that make sure that that was you know that he was thinking right along the same lines or right lines Right. So some of the advantages that we've seen is definitely that this time together, the family culture that God's allowed us to build. And that that has, you know, the, the downside of that is when the kids go to leave and then, and we're right there right mm -hmm. now. You know, our, yeah. our kids are turning um, I, I almost 18 for yeah. our youngest now. So we're almost empty nesting. We're approaching that. And it makes it very hard on us because our family has been very close. We've, we've spent our whole lives together serving the Lord. And uh, letting them go has kind of almost led us to like a, a midlife crisis, maybe. Yeah. Um, but I am I'm glad for that time that we invested that that we didn't waste that time. Um, another benefit is the friendships we've built. Mm -hmm. You know, we uh, when we went to Who Will Go camp this year. Amanda and I were walking around that first day we were there, and uh, you know, like I'd see Miss Mitzi and be like, "Hi, Miss Mitzi," and she wave back and say hi, and then we'd move along, and there'd be somebody else, and. I told Amanda it reminded me of those old movies, you know, and uh, um, the families have like the same thing they do every year and they have their friends in that spot where they go every year. And that's what it reminded me of. You know, when you do ministry and you make friends around ministry and around the things of God, those friendships are really strong. And it's fun to travel and see people that you know in different meetings. And it's also 
nice to have somebody who understands your life. You know, um, I wanted to think of the quote at the beginning of this and I didn't have it there, but um, something about not judging somebody to walk a mile in their shoes. And so when you sit down with a friend that travels, um, I have a good friend at church and her husband's an evangelist. And so whenever we're at church on the same day, we're both so excited. And so she'll text me and say, hey, I'm going to be home this day. Will you be there? Well, we understand each other and what it's like to be a part of a church, but not be there daily. And just having having somebody that you understand your kids, other ministry kids that can understand that same thing is helpful for them. Yeah, and we could spend the rest of our a lot of time here on this concept right here, but there's a brotherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the missionary world, there's a brotherhood because we have similar experiences. We've paid similar prices. Um, our, our children understand each other. And so if you're listening today and you're a pastor or, or your church member supporting missionaries, one of the greatest things we get to do is step into that brotherhood. Mm-hmm. And as a missionary, we invite our pastor friends and our church friends into this this brotherhood this is not an exclusive club right it's not like oh well you can't hang out with missionaries because you're not one no i want you to come and see Mm -hmm. jesus invitation Mm -hmm. when jesus walks by the disciples uh they said master where dwellest thou and he said come and see and so pastors laymen step in to our world see how missionaries live see some of the things just sit and talk and and have a have a conversation with a missionary. What is it like to raise your kids on the road? What is it like to travel the way you do? What does it cost you? What are the benefits? Come and, and experience this and join that brotherhood. Now, missionaries, you know exactly what I'm saying. There's something that another missionary brother understands. And so Kathy and I are here if you have a, a, a question, a problem, if you need to talk to somebody, because some of these experiences and, and this, this friendship, this level of friendship, um, there is something close about mm-hmm. knowing those who have gone through it. Uh, an, another benefit, real quick, before we leave this topic right here, is the idea of travel itself. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Missions is not adventure, but missions is adventure, right? Yes. Well, and you know, that's something that you taught me early on uh, with the children and being on the road is to make it fun. Um, I have a tendency to maybe not be quite so fun. Um, you guys can't see me just rolled his eyes. Um, but anyway, we in traveling, Matt always tried to make sure that we had something fun to do. So maybe you're at a church on Sunday and you're at a church on Wednesday. So let's find something along the way that we can stop a trail that we can hike or a place that we can picnic or a neat park or a zoo or something that, um, that the kids could look forward to that you're not just in the car or you're not just in the hotel all the time, but to actually take the time that you're traveling and make it fun. I don't live for adventure. That's not what I get up for in the morning. But if I'm going to preach the gospel, I am going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to one day see the pyramids and preach the gospel in Egypt. And I, I had the opportunity to to go to Israel and, and to see the Temple Mount. And I have the opportunity to, to meet people and engage, engage people in the Muslim world, the Hindu world, the Buddhist world, that others don't get to engage. And so to me, that is definitely on the positive side of missions. I think today our children have been raised without any thirst for adventure at all, mm-hmm. without any hunger for knowledge. And, and, and I think that's one reason we're struggling uh, in the recruiting of missionaries today is because our families have not created an environment 
where that our, our children are, are thirsty. In fact, I guess we've raised our children in such a sterile environment that they're scared of everything. They're scared of mosquitoes. Or they're scared of, uh, of yellow jackets. They're scared of lightning. They're scared of water. They're scared of the dark. And so uh, let me just put this little plug in here. Raise our children with a willingness to serve God anywhere, no matter what the cost. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that's another great thing about travel is that if you start traveling with your children young, they don't have a fear of, you know, checkpoints. They don't have a fear of, of uh, the security TSA people or the actual plane. Um, they've already experienced those. So then when it comes time for them maybe to travel overseas, they shouldn't have that fear because they've already done that. They've already um, experienced all of those things. A friend of mine who is a special operator, he served overseas several tours. Here's what he said. He said, every time you go into battle, you're afraid. You're mm -hmm. always afraid. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is facing your fear and doing the right thing anyways. Mm -hmm. So for someone to be courageous inherently means that there was fear there. So let's teach our children to look at the things that they're afraid of and then stand up to those things. Mm -hmm. So parents, we're setting the example in those things. And, and the missionary life helps us confront our fears head on and continue to do the right thing. So those are some of the benefits and we could talk all day long on that. Mm -hmm. I preach a series of messages on on the joy of missions, how how much fun it is to, to do the ministry. But let's take for a minute and let's shift gears and look at some of the challenges of, of missionary life. Um, we ended the benefits of missionary life with travel. Let's start the challenges with the same word travel. Absolutely. So well, for one, you know, if you're traveling and you're, uh, say, deputation and trying to homeschool, that is difficult. And I have to confess here, and I've confessed it to the Lord many times during our homeschool years of just getting in the flesh of, you know, they don't want to do school in the car and you don't want to do school in the car, but it still has to be done. And uh, th that's tough. You know, I mean, that's just really tough. And part of it is just being spirit filled, which I've failed at more than once there, but um, that has to be done. I think another challenge of travel is no privacy. You know, we have um, two children that um, just love to be around people nonstop. And then we have two children who need some quiet time. Um, and if we were at home, they would have some time during the day that they would just have their time in their room, just quiet, just reading a book or whatever, but just on their own. You don't always get that. You're you know, in a hotel room, which also leads to no privacy between husbands and wives, you know, I mean, it, so you're in the car, and you're traveling, and you don't have any intimate conversation, because um, little pictures have big ears, right? Those those kids are listening in. Um, and then when you, you know, a lot of churches put you in one hotel, which I understand. Um, but I think we also need to understand on the other side is, as pastors and people in the church that um, those parents do need privacy. You, you know, if you can afford to get uh, a family to hotel rooms, um, do that for them. Um, let them try to have that time because then you, you get to church and you're in the flesh and husband and wife are, you know, maybe had an argument or something and um, haven't had time to work that out. And then you walk into church and you're like, hi, and everything's great and fine. And your kids are like, yeah, right. You know, so if, if you can um, reach out to a missionary family that maybe you're hosting, try to make it to where they have some privacy and, and a little bit of quiet time on their own. And uh, speaking to pastors and laymen right now, uh, 
without being overly critical, let's just say this. If you were to put yourselves in that missionary's place right. and think, okay, if I've not been with my wife for 16 or 18 days because we've been in, in cramped in a small room or we've been in somebody's basement or we've been in somebody's old camper that didn't have an air conditioner and there's no functioning bathroom. and or, <laughs> So you, you think about, about this. How, how would that affect your marriage? How would it affect your children? And I know that money can be tight, but I want to leave a good impression on these children, on these missionary couples. So as, as a pastor, I pastored for seven years. I'm going to fork out the money for two hotel rooms. I'll get adjoining rooms. The parents can stay in one room. They've got that little deadbolt. They can deadbolt the kids out and deadbolt them into their other room. Uh, you can have some privacy and, and we can afford to do that. Here's what's more expensive than an extra hotel room is trying to replace a missionary family. In fact, you can't do it. Kathy and I, one of the primary things we've done the last 20 years is recruit missionaries. We're not stumbling on missionaries every week. They're not just knocking on our door asking to go. It is very difficult to see a young couple surrender, prepare their lives for missions, and then start the deputation process. In fact, we have upwards of a half a million dollars invested by the time we get a missionary family to the field and get them sustained on the field. So let's make the little investments along the way to make sure that that family is comfortable and that their children are safe and their children are, are, are maturing in the ministry the way they should to where they don't get bitter about well, that. Well, that is a perfect um, segue into what I was just going to say as I was talking to a ministry mom the other day. And, um, it, you know, when you go on vacation, sometimes maybe the kids are going to sleep in the floor. You know, and it's just a few days and it's fine in your home. But when you go to place after place after place and people say, oh, we thought the kids would be okay on the floor. You know, the kids do start thinking, well, I have a bed at home. You know, I mean, and, and sometimes maybe they don't, the children don't understand the calling of the parents or um, anyway, but just like you were saying, just don't give them a reason to be bitter. Just try to minister to them and help them to enjoy the ministry. Yeah, and, and, and for the missionary families there, you, you all know exactly what I'm talking about. Sometimes it's, it's your call when you, uh, when you know you need a break, when you need to rent an Airbnb and you need a, a, a week away, when you need to, to take your wife out, you need to leave your kids. And, and we have to be sensitive to that because, yes, we're on deputation. Yes, yes, we're struggling financially. Yes, we have an agenda and, and a schedule. But our, our family is priority, mm -hmm. and without that family, our, our ministry will never be fruitful. So uh, make sure we do that. In this travel, um, it is extremely difficult. Mm -hmm. So not just the travel of missionary life is, is difficult, but the expectations. Mm -hmm. And I, I say this all the time, and people probably get sick of it, but I, I remember being in Africa for just a few weeks, and somebody saying, so how's the church doing? You know, And, and I'm thinking, how is the church? We haven't even found our clothes yet because they were <laughs> lost on the flight. You know, we don't have our luggage. Uh, we were borrowing, you know, plates and forks and borrowing clothes from other missionaries. And there's an unrealistic, there is an unrealistic expectation that's sometimes put on a missionary family uh, by well-meaning people. So let's set realistic expectations. Deputation is going to be hard. You're going to see the good side of missionaries, and you're going to see sometimes 
the bad side of missionaries. So do not judge your missionary off of just a first glance. Do not mm -hmm. judge them by a quick conversation. Get to know them, where they're from, who they are, how their family really relates to one another, what their burden is for that mission field. Because often our missionaries are going to come into a church uh, somewhat frazzled. And it's our responsibility to get to know them on a deeper level. So set a realistic expectation for them. You know what they've been going through on deputation, how they've been traveling, but then set realistic expectations for their ministry. As I, I read this in a book the other day, and I love this quote. It said something like this, your goal for the first four years of ministry overseas is to want to go back at the end of that four yeah. years, right? So you're learning a language. You're adapting to a new culture. You're making new friends. You're settling in a new environment. Should you be witnessing? Yes. Should you be uh, preaching the gospel? Uh, of course. Should you be making disciples? Yes. But realistically, how difficult is that to adjust to a new culture, learn a new language, and build a completely new life from scratch? It takes years. So at the end of that first year, if someone has not had a tremendous amount of fruit, that's all right. Be an encouragement to them. At the end of that first two years, if you've not had a lot of fruit, you're still struggling with the language and, and you're just still trying to get by, but you're sharing the gospel with people, you're putting gospel tracts out, you're, you're making an impact in some way, then fine, just keep going. At the end of four years, if you come back on furlough and you said that was a hard four years, but man, God began to move and we want to go back and really see something happen. That is great. Set realistic expectations. Over the past 20 years, people have put us under expectations that have put an incredible amount of pressure on our family. And those expectations can come in ways of emails or phone calls or, or just passive aggressive mm -hmm. uh, conversations of, well, how many people do you have saved? How big is the church? How you know, all of these things. And when you've been on the other side of the mission field and you, you have experienced some of these things, you'll understand how silly some of those questions can be. So what we're doing, we're putting pressure on our missionary families to create false narratives, false professions and false prayer letters that, that can sometimes, um, burn our conscience for, for years to come, because even sometimes, you know, I'm thinking back to stuff I wrote 20 years ago, just trying to be an encouragement to churches. And I wanted them to know I was doing something and being fruitful. And, and, and I'm not saying I embellished numbers, but I was definitely tempted to share only the positives and to put everything in a positive light. And if I were to go back and read some of those letters right now, I'm sure it would be laughable <laughs> because all of the difficulties we're going through in Africa, uh, and and I'm sure that none of that was conveyed in those letters. It was probably all about how many times we were able to preach and who was being saved. Um, those expectations on on young missionaries, their first term are completely unrealistic. Um, years ago, a lady gave me a card, and inside the card uh, was thirty five dollars, and she said, um, "This is for whatever you want, wish, or need. You can use it to buy chocolate." toilet paper or a new nightgown, I don't care. And that became my theme of, of giving, you know, and I think sometimes 
um, when we give to missions um, or to missionaries, um, we kind of feel like maybe we can give it to them, but still tell them how to spend it or, or, or how to um, hold on to that. And really, I just want to encourage people to give to the Lord and let him be the judge of, of how it's spent. So I know there's been times where, um, you know, we'll go out to eat and there's part of you that feels guilty for that because you think, well, maybe the person who gave me this money, um, they're not able to go out to eat. But yet, and that's another way that you've helped me in all of this is um, to know that uh, we have to eat well. Like if we just eat McDonald's every day, then in six months, we're all going to be sick as can be. We're going to have to um, balance our diet. And we do do that with, we try, last week, Manda's making us salads in the backseat of the truck. So you balance that. But I just want to encourage people as far as finances is concerned to give and just let it go. And, you know, Manda wasn't too happy about making uh, <laughs> making salads in the backseat of the car either, I don't think. So I'm not sure she enjoyed that. But uh, we, we are trying to balance our finances, right? So if you see a missionary who is a bad steward, then that's a great private conversation that we get to have. It, but that is not the typical case. Typically, missionaries are living on low middle income salaries. So this is not a podcast about missionary finances, but let me just say in the business world, most missionaries, they're well-educated. They have great experience. They have a great personality. They have a good work ethic. They would be making good money mm -hmm. in this secular world. So uh, most of the missionaries I know would be making a hundred thousand dollars a year. Plus they all left their jobs. They left their career path. They have no 401k. Most do not own houses, so they have no equity that's being built. They live on approximately $800 to $1,000 a week of personal expenses. So some people think $800 to $1,000 a week, that's a lot of money. For the work they put in, mm -hmm. that's not a lot of money. For the places they live and the traveling they do, that is not a lot of money. And so we have a personal uh, account that we operate out of. We have a ministry account that we operate out of. Sometimes the two get overlapped and, and there's not enough money in either one. So we shuffle money back and forth. But I don't know of a lot of missionaries who are just living it up mm -hmm. and living on the top. Mm -hmm. We're trying to balance our families and our finances. And it, here's another thing I got to say about this. If I do not provide for my family, I'm going to deal with problems in the future with my children and with my marriage, um, with people blaming God and blaming me for being a poor provider. And this has been difficult for us because we have lived on $2,200 a month before. We've lived on, well, we still live on about $2,200 <laughs> a month. We have been at that place where there just wasn't enough money. And we're in danger of hurting our testimony with, our, with the world, with our finances. And we're in danger of hurting our testimony with our own families that that God cannot provide, but God can provide. So Kathy mentioned this. I'll reiterate it. When I give to a missionary, I give with no strings, mm -hmm. no strings. I want them to have a nice car. I want them to have a nice place to sleep. I know what they're getting ready to do. They're getting ready to enter a battlefield. So think about this in, in the concept of a military. Could you imagine getting ready to invade Iraq? We're going to send in our strongest, our best, our brightest young men. 
But the weeks prior to or the months prior to, we don't feed them. We don't give them good equipment. We don't give them good clothing. But we just send them anyways. Now, how absurd would that be? Mm. But when we take a missionary family on deputation and we say something like, well, how, how cheap can you go? How cheap can you eat? Well, see, McDonald's don't even have the dollar menu anymore. We used to be able for six or eight bucks swing through a McDonald's and we can't do that. How cheap can you eat? How, how cheap can you stay? How few beds can you have? All right. So what we do is we send them, we launch them off the launching pad, weak and anemic, spiritually, physically, and emotionally. I am not advocating wasting or frivolous living. We're just saying missionaries, you have to go properly funded. Pastors, laymen, you have to properly fund. And this is a balanced discussion that that missionaries need to have with their pastors. Uh, Missionaries need to have with their supporters. Um, I don't think a missionary can be a good missionary. I don't think a good missionary could be overfunded Mm -mm. because he's going to find something to do with that money. And when his family needs are met, he's going to pour that money into others. By the way, missionaries are givers. Mm-hmm. Missionaries are yeah. givers. If you're a pastor and you have someone who wants to be a missionary and they're not a giver, then they shouldn't be a missionary. It's a prerequisite. They should have a heart for missions. They should be giving generously to missions. And most of the missionaries I know are some of the most generous givers that I know. And so if, if, they're, if they have an abundance, they're going to use that abundance in the ministry mm-hmm. and they're going to give it and they're going to support others you cannot over support them don't worry about a love offering being too big and spoiling a missionary missionaries mm-hmm. aren't getting spoiled out there so i i appreciate everyone who has a part of our ministry and gives to our ministry and i do want to have a good testimony so i want to balance my money to where that i am not living a life of luxury but that god can meet all of my needs and my family is well taken care of. That means that they're safe and they're comfortable. And I want to do that in all aspects of ministry. Um, One more thing, one of the difficulties, um, and this relates to finances, is is some of the criticism that that missionaries get. Um, Go ahead and tell a story about the lady who came to visit us that day. So um, the backstory is, is that my family had been in a car accident and we had been hit by a drunk driver. Um, My sister passed away and um, there was a settlement of that. And so there was a trust set up. And when I hit a certain age, I got, um, uh, for me, it was a large sum. It wouldn't be maybe large to some people, but it was to us. And we took half of that. And we spent a month in Peru with some friends of ours, missionary friends. And then we spent um, the other half met so that I could buy new furniture and a new refrigerator. And I think I got some curtains. And um, we're at church and this family comes by. And we were kind of acquaintances, not really friends, but acquaintances. And they had stopped at our church to visit some friends of theirs who were out of town that week. So we invited them over to our home. And the mother-in-law of that family walked in, looked around and said, huh. I wish I was a missionary and everything in me wanted to say, you know what? My sister had to die for me to have this, but if you want it, just take it. Of course I didn't say that, but it hurt me. And just a side note, that was like 17, 16 years ago. We still have that couch and our refrigerator just quit. (laughs) But, uh, you know, she didn't know anything about our family or 
um, our finances or where that had come from. But just be very careful to not criticize, even if, you know, if you see a lady walk in with a coach bag or something like that, and you think, oh, I wish I had a coach bag. That was probably a gift from the last church she was in. So just be careful to not be too critical. So on the other side of criticism, well, let me say there are some folks out there that have loved us mm-hmm. and love missionaries. And, and you can tell the difference when you walk into a church, what, how, how the church is going to respond to you. If they're thinking, wow, where did she get that? Or wow, he's driving a nicer car than me. Or if when you walk in, they're just thinking, we love missionaries. Mm-hmm. What can we do to serve you? And we walked into a church down in Texas one day. And that was the spirit of the whole church. Mm-hmm. One of the missionary wives looked at another lady in the church. She said, oh, I love your necklace. It's beautiful. The lady takes her necklace off, puts it on the missionary lady and says, it's yours. And we actually that week had to learn to be careful what we said. Mm-hmm. Because anything that we said, the church would respond to. Even if it was something we whispered to each other, the church was so sensitive to care for our needs. And, and still, they still are. Mm-hmm. And that spirit, there's such a different spirit in that. And that church was, it's a landmark visit for our children where our children were blessed. Not that our children needed money or anything. Our children needed a safe place mm-hmm. where they could say, here's how I feel. And the church wasn't going to jump on them mm-hmm. for doing that. So we're, we're trying to talk about family in this podcast and we're getting distracted mm-hmm. by a lot of things. But look, if you're a pastor or if you're a layman at a church, make your church a safe place where a a missionary family with uh, teenagers can come in and those teenagers can tell you what their life is like, where they can speak to you and they're not having to put on a show for you. And so this idea of 25 years of ministry now, going into places, and it's not very often, but occasionally going into that critical place where Kathy and I look at each other and think, I cannot wait to leave. And I don't care if they support me or not. I don't even want to be here. Because that spirit, it's, it's like I, I tell people, it's like going to a state fair and like being a hog walk, <laughs> walked across a platform and, and somebody trying to figure out who they're putting the blue ribbon on, you know, being judged at a cattle show. God help us to, to be able to look at our missionary families with love. And Mm -hmm. if there is an oversight, if there is something that they could work on, older men and women, we have a great privilege to be able to come up alongside younger folks and say, hey, can I share something with you? This is something that I think would help you at your next meeting. And and Kathy and I have crossed the the age threshold now where we get to do that and, and in a sense be a parent to some of the younger missionaries. And that is not wrong to do but is never with the spirit to hurt anyone or to condemn anyone, but it is the spirit in which we help them. So let's give some practical things now that missionary families can do. Our churches can help missionary families do as they're along the roads. All right. So first of all, let's talk about prioritizing family. I think an important thing there is to really listen to your kids. Um, You know, as parents, you know, your children. So, you know, and again, balance is the key, but you want to teach your children to um, greet people, to engage with other children, to talk to other people. But if there's someone that your child does not feel comfortable with, 
do not force them. Um, and again, you know your children. So, I mean, if it's like every single person, I'm not comfortable, there might be a problem. But if your children come to you and say, I'm really not comfortable around so-and-so, you know, whether that's a pastor or not, listen to them and make them comfortable, make them feel safe, let them stay by you. Well, I would really say small children, I would make sure they were always where you could see them, whether that's in the auditorium or, you know, whatever, just being very careful to guard your children and listen to them. You know, I remember it's 25 years ago now, we had a pastor had been scheduled to speak at our church and, and he canceled the meeting. And he sent out just a, a short note to the church and he said, I've canceled all my meetings. Now, this is a, a, a well-known pastor. He was booked every week. He always did a meeting, you know, a Monday, Tuesday meeting throughout the week. And he said, I've canceled all my meetings for the next six months because my son needs me. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought about that. And not, not only was he not afraid to say that, mm-hmm. but that kind of a statement to your family. Right. So if my wife needs me, I stay home and cancel meeting. If my children need something, I rearrange my schedule and I prioritize them. You say, yeah, but I've got a certain amount of days to raise a certain amount of money. Stop worrying about your performance and start worrying about your family. Your family is the priority of your ministry. This is, this, you're going to walk with Christ and raise a family. If you're a missionary, we can, we can determine that, how you're going to be a missionary later on. But you can change mission fields. You can't change families. Right. Right. You can start over on deputation. You can't start over on marriage. We say this and everyone teaches this, but then the same pastors and people who teach us this are the ones who make us change our priorities. So prioritize your family as you're traveling, as you're doing ministry on the mission field. Build trust. Keep your word. If I've told my wife I'm going to do something, I need to keep my word. She can handle a few times where I've just forgot something or I've made a mistake. But if I build a pattern of breaking promises, that is going to deeply affect the future of our marriage. And I would say even more so with our children, mm-hmm. because as a husband and wife, um, we're pretty much in this thing for the long haul. I say pretty much. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we we're are. in this thing for we the are. long haul. But my children, I have a limited amount of, of days with them. And they are determining on their days at home what they're going to do when they leave the house. And those broken promises, broken word, that constant putting off is going to greatly affect their opinion of of God, of our family, of our ministry. And it's going to change their their trajectory of their life and of their Mm -hmm. future ministry. Really keeping your word, that can be difficult when you don't know what the schedule is going to be, you know. Um, if someone else is setting your schedule. So I would be very careful to make promises or, you know, or how you word them. Just be careful with your words of how you promise them things. Something else we've learned when raising four children in missions is to expect crisis. And and by that, I, I mean this. Every child has a point where they choose. Right When they're four years old, we make them go to church. They're, they're seven years old. We tell them what to eat. But there is coming a crisis point in your children's life when they are going to walk through this place with God. And we have watched our children go through crisis. And if we were to sit down with uh, folks who are our supporters and we were to tell them all about our children's crisis 
number one, uh, they would think poorly of us as parents. Number two, they would think poorly of our children. But let's just be real. No one is perfect. And if Kathy and I said we've never had any marriage issues, we'd be lying. If we would say our children have never had any issues, we'd be lying. So when you're looking at a missionary family and you say, oh, well, they're having some problems, that things are not perfect. Well, get used to it because people are not perfect. Our families are going to have crisis moments. And as the layman and the pastor sending and supporting missionaries, you should be able to identify those crisis moments in these families. And as parents, you've got to identify the crisis moments in your children's life. And we've watched our children go through some dark places, some challenges where they questioned their faith, where they questioned uh, the ministry and, and what we were doing. They questioned some of our beliefs. They they questioned why God was doing what God was doing. And I'm just going to tell you, whether they tell you about that crisis or not, they're going to have those crisis moments. Well, and I think one way to help them through that, like you said, they're going to have them, but is to be open with them and let your kids know that they can come to you and talk to you. And maybe you might be disappointed in what they're saying, or maybe you might even be disappointed somewhat in them. Let them know that you're always there to talk to. They can talk to you about anything. Be completely open and honest with them and let them be open and honest with you and still love them in the end. If we would not have had that relationship with our children to have those open conversations, I fear we could have lost some of them at, at different points. Mm -hmm. Because some of our conversations went like this, Dad, I don't think you're right. I, th I think you guys are wrong. But I trust you. So I'll continue until I, until I have some other direction. Man, thank the Lord. All of our kids who come back after those, those tough conversations later on and said, yeah, you were right. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Kathy and I knew we were right. But you, you're raising kids in a dark environment, in a dark world, and you're raising them to love God and to trust us. Mm -hmm. And in that, that conversation has to be open and honest. We have to hear them out and help them in those dark times. You know, earlier we talked about having a confidential friend, both for us and for your children, because, you know, when, when our children were going through some difficult things, um, there were not very many people that we could turn to and talk to. For one, you want to guard your child, knowing this is just something they're going through. And when they come out of it, you don't want that their past to be um, brought up. But I think the other part of it is for them to have people that they can talk to and trust. And in one of those situations, we um, we were talking to our son and we just told him that we, we really did not feel like this was right. And he said, um, I hear you and I trust you, but I just, I don't think you're right. And um, we encouraged him to find a couple of um, other people to talk to and seek their counsel. And what just thrilled my heart is that he called some of our friends, like our age friends and said, okay, this is what's going on. This is what my parents say. This is what I think, you know, what is your counsel? And I appreciated especially uh, one friend that he didn't just agree with us. Like he walked our son through some things and some of that maybe wasn't exactly what we had said. And I just really appreciated the fact that 
we had built relationships with people, like you said in the very beginning of this, um, that we let influence our children to where when crisis did come, when they weren't exactly sure, you know, the multitude of counselors, their safety, right? So they started asking different counselors and not just peers, but our friends as well. I think it's very important for us to have those people in our children's lives. So your missionary families are going to go through crisis. Missionaries, your family's going to go through crisis. This is not a if, this is when. Your children are going to have the same issues other children have, even though we've raised them right. They're going to have sexual temptation. They're going to have great battles of self-image, uh, discouragement. They'll have emotional uh, battles. They'll have questions concerning their faith and their belief system. And in the middle of those crisis moments, obviously run to the Lord. Run to the Lord. Kathy said it. Seek out a friend, somebody that you can trust. And don't just freak out. Because all young people have their crisis moments. And if I look back in my life, I certainly did. Kathy did. All of our children have. And pastors, laymen, when your missionaries are in those crisis moments and they reach out, be there to listen. Don't judge and help them walk through those crises. Every young person who comes through a crisis, they build a testimony. Mm -hmm. Instead of preaching daddy's sermon, now they get to preach their sermon. They can say, I saw this other side, but God brought me back. God brought me through this. I love David, Psalm chapter number 40. He lifted me up out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock. He established my goings, right? This, this is what God is doing in young people's lives is he allows them to enter a crossroads and then he draws them to himself. And I'm thankful to say this. It may, may change one day, but our kids love the Lord. They're mm -hmm. serving the Lord. But it was not easy. It was not without challenges. There were those crisis moments, and I'm thankful that the Lord's grace was sufficient. So, look, missionaries, we're praying for you. We love you. Laymen, pastors, intercede for your missionaries. This is a, a tremendous struggle to raise your family on the road in a new culture, in a new environment. All of these challenges that we're talking about today can shape a family for good or it can destroy a family. And a lot of that is the sending church and the supporters, how we respond when these missionaries are in difficult times. Thanks for tuning in today. Thanks for joining us today as we talk about the family. Missionary family will come back here in a few weeks and, and we'll talk about some more stuff. If you have any suggestions, things that you'd like to hear, shoot us a message on Facebook or shoot us an email. Um, let us know. We'll be talking about these things and Lord willing, every few weeks we'll get another podcast out here. <laughs>